Welcome to Donna's Intermittent Fasting Broadcast number 31. Uh, episode 30 was all about ghrelin. And so in that episode, you might want to listen to that before this or after this or something, uh, because I explain what ghrelin is, what it does, where it's released, um, how it's released, what time it's released, and so forth. Its functions, uh, its functions on the brain, as well as on hunger and appetite, and how uh, we can diminish the um, effects of it as far as the negative effects. Um, but there are a lot of positive effects too, so you might want to listen to that. And then today, I'm going to be talking specifically about controlling appetite, hunger, and cravings, including uh, controlling ghrelin. So this is going to kind of be multifaceted. I have way too much material. I realized when I got to the end of my outline that I had like, I don't even know, 1,200 words or something. And I know that once I get past 700 words, that's too much for uh, one episode. So uh, we will do another episode on specifically on cravings, sugar cravings, and so forth. So first of all, a quick update. Um, we are 10 months in together. Um, I started a little bit before he did. Um, but my husband and I are fasting together, and we are 10 months in, and um, he is down 85 pounds. I'm down almost 25 pounds. I have 20 pounds to go. He has 25 pounds remaining. Uh, the sizes are really what are more important to me um, because I've already been losing weight for 10 years. I've lost 90 pounds. I'm getting really close to losing 100 over the last 10 years and keeping it off. Um, but uh, what's important to me is getting down to that goal size. And I talked about that specifically in episode 29 when I spoke about the metrics. Um, if you are stuck, hung up on scales, on um, uh um, measurements, whatever it might be, um, I really encourage you to take a listen to episode 29, in which I talked about the four metrics for intermittent fasting, uh, scales, tape measure, body fat percentage, and goal pants. And um, I just talk about the pros and cons of each of those, and even how to combine those for a more accurate picture. So um, anyway, I think that anybody who is really caught up in the scales would do well to listen to that episode, uh, and that was episode 29. Keep in mind, all of my broadcasts are available on video as well, on YouTube, as well as on iTunes. So this is really crooked. I have this on my lap because my husband is teaching uh, kids out there, uh, his private students, and they come in and out, and so it's harder to teach out in the main rooms. So I'm back here, and it's kind of crooked here. Those of you who are listening don't know what I'm talking about, but you can listen on iTunes, you can watch on YouTube, and you can get both the the audio and the video, as well as the detailed outlines each week at my blog, DonnaReach.com. Those are put up there every Wednesday. So you can find those there and uh, follow along or get caught up. Uh, I had some first, some rough starts at the beginning. I was trying to, to do some videos in the car. I was trying to do some on the run, uh, having a lot of people in and out of my home, students and so forth. My husband and I have private teaching services, uh, a business here in our home. And so the, the first few, and I also was trying to play my music in the first few on my phone while I was doing this. So my phone kept going off. So anyway, bear with me, get to number five or six or seven, and you will be glad that you did. So uh, that is my update. Oh, back to the size. The size is, this is really remarkable. My husband swore that he needed a 48 whenever he was at his highest. I think he could pretty much get by on a 46, but he used to have fits. You know, I wear a 48. Why do you always bring 46s? And then sometimes they would fit and sometimes they wouldn't. So he was between a 46 and a 48 
and he is down to a 38. I don't remember my husband wearing anything below a 40 since our young married years, and we've been married for 37, 37, 37 years. So uh, that's pretty remarkable. I am down from tight 12s to loose and comfortable 10s. So um, I even have some eights I can squeeze on. So anyway, I'm really excited about that. We fast for 19 hours average every day. We have some longer fasts during the week, some shorter fasts. If we have special occasions on the weekend, get some of that information at the blog. I talk all about special occasions at the blog in my slideshows as well as in my videos. Um, we are reducing sugar um, because there's a funny thing that happens to you when you intermittent fast you start to notice everything. And I used to love sugar, and I still do. Um, and most of you know, if you listen to previous episodes about my love relationship with peanut M&Ms, um, and I do love sugar. But um, when you start intermittent fasting, things start you start to notice things that you didn't notice before. And this is actually good for us because a lot of food sensitivities, and things like that will come out, and we will pinpoint you know exactly what is causing something that before we had no idea there's too much noise when you eat all the time too much going on to really tell what exactly is causing the problems and so with uh, intermittent fasting things start to come to the forefront and we get a lot of light shed on our eating habits and I have been eating sugar forever I was a, a sugar holic you know before I started healthy supplementation three years ago and especially before I started fasting a year ago um, well, actually, both of those really, really helped me a lot with my sugar and my cravings. Um, but um, I have been having sugar headaches. And I never, I was like, I've never gotten sugar headaches. What in the world? And because of intermittent fasting, you can tell exactly what's going on in your body. So we've had to reduce our sugar. And I do have a lot of sugar-free recipes at the blog. I use a good, great sugar-free uh, healthy blend called Pure, P-Y-U-R-E. Um, I have a free cookbook at the blog, Sugar-Free Solutions. Anyway, I'm going back to some of my sugar-free recipes, really focusing on having desserts that are you know, either fruit for desserts or having uh, homemade sugar-free items instead of having so much sugar um, because of these sugar headaches. So I'll keep you posted on that. We, are, we don't control carbs. Um, actually, we're just the opposite. We eat more carbs now than we used to because now we eat uh, potatoes and we eat uh, sprouted bread and we eat um, fruits. We eat, ap we eat apples, bananas, oranges, um, actually more because we were trying for a number of years to be low carb, low, low carb and keto and that didn't work. But now we are, we don't control carbs. As a matter of fact, now that I've learned everything I've learned about healthy carbs, um, we eat healthy carbs every day. So anyway, quick ghrelin review before I go into how to control it. First of all, um, ghrelin is known as a hunger hormone. It is released from the gut um, and in smaller amounts from the pancreas and the brain. But it's primarily controlled by what is in the stomach. And it's released from the fundus, the very top of the stomach. And that's important to note when we talk about how we can, like, not necessarily control it, but respond to it during our fasting window. Uh, when the stomach is empty, ghrelin is released from that fundus, goes to the hypothalamus, um, and tells the brain that we are hungry. And uh, 
we call this the growling ghrelin gremlin and if you take my course you know i have a whole uh unit on that a whole day on uh ghrelin the growling ghrelin gremlin and the lucky leopardin leprechaun and uh the how they work together but we call it the growling ghrelin gremlin because um in that way we don't want to feel that hunger however as you probably learned last week Ghrelin is not something that we don't want. I mean, the repercussions for ghrelin being released for brain and cognitive functioning, um, as well as it being a precursor to human growth hormone, is like we should actually, even though we, I call it the ghrelin, grim, ghrelin gremlin, we should actually look at it like, hmm, ghrelin, very good. <laughs> So, but we don't. Instead, we're like, oh, it hurts, you know, or whatever, especially in the early fasting days. So a lot of these tricks today will help you with that. Um, as I mentioned, it is a precursor to human growth hormone. Human growth hormone um, is increased 13% in women, 1300% in women, 2000% in men. And we want human growth hormone, not the synthetic kind. We want the natural kind. It's usually only released in the mornings or in the night while we're asleep. But when we fast, we continue to have these little spikes of human growth hormone. They build muscle. They burn fat. We want human growth hormone. So it actually is a precursor to that. Uh, again, it means a lot of good things are happening in our bodies. But it can also hurt at first because that's what causes that like sensation in your stomach. You're like, oh, I'm so hungry. And so we want to control that, especially in the first two or three weeks, so we stay with fasting. And that's one reason why I have my course, Donna's Intermittent Fasting Course. We're starting another uh, month of it, November 4th. So you have some time to sign up yet between now and then. And we do have coupon codes for... Uh, subscribers so check those coupon codes out you can find those at the blog um save 20 is for blog and uh facebook subscribers save 20 i'll put this in the notes too and um uh, i can't remember what the webinar one is but if you attend the free webinar in the two weeks before the course then you get 30 percent off the course so um but so as far as the, the ghrelin being released and us trying to control it, the first two or three weeks are really crucial to this. And that's what I was trying to start to say about the course, because I teach you day by day by day in those first four weeks how to make it through the first month. I told you this before, fasting is the opposite or upside down from um, many other diet protocols because the first month is the hardest and then you are home free. So just get that first month down. You can do it that first month. Uh, check out everything at DonnaReach.com. I have tons of teaching there. Um, so uh, overall food control uh, is, is controlled by intermittent fasting in general. I want to mention this before I talk about the specifics of ghrelin because so many people do not realize, you know, they, they still have this old mindset that, you know, I'm going to go into starvation mode and all of those things during fasting. And the opposite is true. Fasting boosts your metabolism by 12 to 14%, depending on which study you're looking at. And uh, the starvation studies were really based not on intermittent fasting, but they were based on long-term fasting, 72 hours, 96 hours. And yet we continue to use those to say we need to eat every two to three hours. And, and those studies do not apply. Um, so obviously there is conflicting research about everything, right? And so I bring up studies that I find 
but there could be conflicting research, but there are some things that are universal. And one universal truth about intermittent fasting is that when we decrease our food intake by 30%, we increase lifespan by 30%. Not necessarily in an individual basis, but that has been borne out in research over and over and over again. And one of the best ways to skim off those calories, decrease the amount of food we eat, and increase the fat burning is by intermittent fasting. So generally speaking, intermittent fasting helps you with hunger in a number of ways before we get into the ghrelin. One, it regulates our blood sugar and insulin. When insulin, when insulin is low, um, then we are able to get body fat and use it for fuel. And so we are going to regulate that insulin. We're going to regulate that blood sugar by doing nothing. Secondly, it helps to heal the gut. And uh, I probably won't get into that this week, but gut health is super important for um, uh, uh, metabolism and weight management. Uh, with intermittent fasting, we are able to hear leptin signals better. A lot of times, those of us who have been very heavy, we, when you think about leptin, what I've taught about it before, leptin is released from our fat cells. So you think that people who were really overweight would have all this leptin would stop them from eating, stop them from eating. Um, but actually, we start to not hear the signals. And with that, then we don't hear the signals of leptin, and then we don't stop eating in time. And so we overeat. And intermittent fasting helps us balance our leptin, raise our leptin, and hear our leptin signals. And then, of course, the, the aforementioned human growth hormone is released. So let's just go right into ghrelin now um, and uh, talk about how we can make it through either those first days of intermittent fasting when we have ghrelin released all the time because we are still sugar burners. And so we consequently, every time we get done with the last bit of food we ate, we release ghrelin from our stomachs. Our stomach is empty. We release it and we're like starving and feel bad. Okay. And so that we wanted to, we want to solve that problem in the beginning. Now this can happen anytime when you're fasting, but it's less likely to happen once your body is balanced, once your hormones are balanced. So I, I say that to say, if you are a new intermittent faster, you are not going to feel bad forever. I like to say, would people really do this every day of our lives? If we felt that badly all the time, and the answer is no, we wouldn't. Nobody would do, you know, those first couple weeks of hunger, white knuckling it through, that type of thing. We wouldn't do that every day if we felt that way every day. So, no, that's not going to happen forever. So, first of all, from last week's lesson, we learned that, that ghrelin is released in waves. And these waves last about 10 minutes. I've heard people talk about how they can last up to an hour, but I think that it's really more accurate to say that it's pretty short. That, you know, maybe 10 minutes, maybe 15, maybe 20, but but a lot of research indicates that they come in 10 minute waves. And so we can literally time these and watch them disappear at the time. Now, you know, a boiled pot never boil, a uh, uh, watch pot never boils. And a watch timer goes down slowly. So I don't recommend that you set the timer and watch it, but I recommend that you set the timer and just get so engrossed in something. Get so engrossed in something that you don't even realize that the time has gone by. 
So this can be whatever, but but uh, it's helpful if it's away from the kitchen. It's helpful if it is um, something that occupies your your brain like a lot. Um, so maybe balancing your checkbook. It's helpful if it's, uh, do we still have checkbooks? <laughs> Checking your online banking. It's helpful if it is something that uh, uses our hands as well. So some people say, you know, if it's nice, just get your shoes on and go walking. Get as far away from food as you can. Some people like to go for a drive as long as they don't drive into a fast food restaurant. But um, brain, uh, brain preoccupation um, and physical preoccupation. Some people, like for me personally, I love to organize. Uh, you never know this by all the outlines and handouts that I have. You should see the course. You think my outlines are crazy here. I have um, 35,000 uh, words, which is the same as a, a young adult novel novel in all the course. Because I wanted to cut touch on all types of learning uh, because I'm a teacher and my training is in education and reading specialist. So I wanted to touch on all types of learners so that's why there are so many different avenues of learning at the blog and in the course. So um, anyway, uh, I like to organize. So that takes my hands and my mind away. So something like that. You can set your timer, your timer will go off, and your hunger will pass. And uh, I mentioned this last week uh, in episode 30, but we know that this is true besides the research just because the fact that we're not starving. Most people are not starving in the mornings, and yet we've gone eight, nine, ten hours, even without fasting. We've gone that that sleep time without eating, and yet we're not ravenous in the mornings. It's because ghrelin goes up, and then it goes down, and then it goes up, and then it goes down. All right, so uh, ghrelin uh, does not respond well to certain things. So while we say eat anything, not everything, and while I certainly enjoy, I mean, we have got so many festivities coming up. Um, I've, I've mentioned before, you know, we have a big family. We have seven grown adult children and we have almost five kids in love. And then, you know, we have another who has a girlfriend and we have grandkids. So we are literally going to Disney World in November with 18 people on a big family vacation. So, so party is our middle name around here. And so, um, you know, the, the festivities we have, uh, you know, in uh, the, the next, next week we have a wedding. So we have rehearsal dinner. We have a, our son's wedding. And then the next week I have a baby shower for a daughter-in-law. And then we have our Disney trip for 10 days. And then we come home and we have a couple grandkids' birthdays. And then we have Christmas. What about Thanksgiving in there, too? And then we have a new birth in January and another grandchild's birthday. And then we have tons of winter birthdays uh, with all of our kids. So party is our middle name. So we can eat anything, not everything. However, while we are trying to train ghrelin, we have to understand the whole idea of appetite correction Appetite correction is not just something that magically happens. It happens with hormone balancing. So when we say we are correcting our appetites, what we're really saying is that we are balancing our hormones, our hunger hormone of ghrelin and our satiation hormone of leptin. So ghrelin does not respond well to certain foods and to certain environments. And so with that, if we want to get our hormones under control quickly, 
or if we go on vacation and we want to get back get them back under control like like when we're on our disney trip i'm going to have two meals a day and i'm going to do 16 8 during my disney trip so i'll fast for 16 hours and i'll eat for eight my our kids are so excited that we're fasting because we have the food program dining credits at disney world and they're like Yes, mom and dad can't eat that much now anymore because we lost a lot of weight. A lot of weight between the two of us, we have lost um, like 140 pounds in the last three years, and uh, like 110 in the last year, and uh, between the two of us. So they're just like, "Yes, we're gonna get some mom and dad's credits. We're gonna get extra snack credits." They're so funny. Um, so, but when I get home, I'm gonna have to retrain my ghrelin because. I trained it to expect food twice a day, full two full meals at Disney World. So I'm going to have to retrain it. So during the training process of ghrelin, whether you're a, a beginner or you're restarting or you've had a long weekend off, a lot of things can upset ghrelin because um, it because of clock hunger. So it expects you to eat the same time that you did for the last couple of days. So uh, it so when you wanted to retrain it. You have to. You need to understand what it doesn't respond well to. So it does not respond well to processed foods, and this is why people can eat like so many bowls of sugar cereal before they ever realize that they're full, and they may have eaten like 1,200 calories without even realizing it because they didn't get the fullness signal from from leptin and ghrelin. Didn't like. Oh, your stomach is so full, so I'm gonna stop releasing it and making you think I'm hungry. Um, it does not respond well to sugar, unfortunately, which is bad for those of us who really like sugar. And that's one reason why I teach OMAD-3. OMAD-3, divide your eating window in three parts. You open with a healthy, low-carb, non-sugar snack. You have your main entree, and then you have your dessert. When, when ghrelin and leptin are already balanced by the end of your eating window, and when you can't eat two pieces of cake anyway, even if you wanted it. All right, so that's why I teach OMAD-3. Um, so it doesn't respond well to sugar. Save that for the end of your window. Ghrelin does not respond to liquid calories. And we've known this forever, right? We know that we can order a soda, have a refill at a restaurant, and have it have no effect on how much food that we eat. It does not respond well to liquid calories. And so I just, I would say just to really just get liquid calories completely out of your system. For one thing, you know, pop and those kind of things, they're so high in sugar and ghrelin doesn't respond to them. They spike your insulin fast because they go in fast. You know, how people suck on Skittles to get an instant, you know, uh, like diabetics when their sugar's out of balance. They're like, put some, put some, they'll, they'll drink something, right? They'll drink orange juice really fast. Or they'll drink soda really fast. Or they'll put a handful of Skittles in because it goes right into them. Uh, it's not blunted by like the fat from a candy bar or something like that. See, that's a good reason to eat candy. Okay, chocolate. Um, so, um, but those liquid calories are like immediately processed. And so for that reason, I would drop liquid calories. But for another reason is because it takes so much food to make liquid calories. So when you're talking about orange juice, you know, it might take five oranges to make a tall glass of orange juice. And you don't have any of the rind. You don't have any of the pulp, I mean. And you don't have any of the uh, satiation from chewing and swallowing 
and um, and working to eat your food and no peeling, nothing is involved. So get rid of liquid calories. And a fast eating is also another thing that ghrelin does not respond well to. All right, moving on to water. Um, fill that stomach up. That's what I say about water. Drink, drink, drink. Um, we're supposed to, just generally speaking, uh, health people say, to drink half of our body weight in water each day in ounces. Not like like if we weigh 150 pounds, don't drink 75 pounds. Okay, <laughs> Drink half of your body weight in ounces. So I recommend that you get something. I use this Contiga. Um, it's on the things that I recommend at the blog. I use this Contiga. It's available at Amazon. Um, I get mine at um, the Wholesale Club every spring and summer. It is the best. I could do a commercial just on this jug alone. First of all, it holds 20 ounces, which is just, just amazing. Here are the ice. It lasts forever. You put ice in it at night. You still have ice in the next morning because I do not like to drink uh, lukewarm water in the night. And um, it also is great for, it's got a wide mouth. So that's great for putting ice in it. I love, love, love really cold water. Um, it's got a lid that closes, so I could put it in my purse um, without spilling it. Um, also, I'm going to talk a little bit about fiber, and you can put fiber supplements in here, shake it up really easily, and and help those to dissolve quickly. And you can count these really easily. So I drink at least five of these a day, and um, so that's that. You can pour. Uh, I pour different kinds of water in it based on my needs. So I'll talk about that in just a second too. So fill that up. You can fill it up with regular water. You can fill that up with sparkling water, uh, carbonated water. Um, you can fill that up with mineral water. I'll talk about mineral water when I talk about minerals in just a little bit. I personally, because I work out in the mornings, I personally fill it with mineral water first thing in the morning before I exercise. And I bring another bottle of mineral, mineral water where when I work out to fill it up while I'm working out so that I have 40 ounces of mineral water while I work out. Um, uh, sparkling water, the carbonation from sparkling water, you can put it in there, you can drink it straight out of a, a carbon a mineral a sparkling water bottle. Uh, but the bubbles in uh, sparkling water carbonation, those tr bubbles can trick ghrelin into thinking you put food in your stomach. Remember ghrelin is released from the stomach. So it's going to be affected by the, um, the fullness of the stomach, right? So you put those bubbles in there, and that helps. Uh, if you have like a soda stream, I've heard of people who just use it for, for nothing but making their own carbonated water. So that would be helpful for that too. Um, mineral water, as I said, has minerals. So that's going to be uh, really helpful to get your electrolytes balanced. Talk about that in a minute. All right, stomach distensibility. Our distensibility... Um, I almost told you that <laughs> that ability um, is a I-B-I-L-I-T-Y is a suffix. Whoa, I got to know my audience. <laughs> I teach uh, from the books that I write. I teach 60 kids every week language arts and writing live. And then I teach online too. And then I teach you online. So I have to know my audience. You don't really want to know everything about the prefixes and suffixes. But I will say that distensibility has to do with Distension. So it's a little bit of a root word study. I got a little bit in there. Okay, so it has to do with distension. So we say that our stomach is distended. You know, you ever watch medical shows? They're like distended abdomen. You know, they go through everything when they first come into the ER and they tell everything about it. I really like medical shows. Anyway, um, 
So as we lose weight, our stomach does shrink. And as we fast during the hours that we're not eating, our stomach also shrinks. So uh, the distensibility, the smaller our stomach gets, the, uh, the less it needs to be full to satisfy ghrelin. So as we lose weight, our stomachs shrink and shrink and shrink. And as we fast, our stomachs shrink and shrink and shrink. And that's why, like, when you've been fasting for a while or after you've just lost a lot of weight and you try to go, like, back to an old place and, and you know, eat so many pieces of pizza or eat so many pieces of shrimp on the unlimited shrimp night or whatever, and you're like, man, my gut hurts. That's why, because you have stomach distensibility meaning that your stomach is shrunk and now you're trying to distend it again. So we uh, definitely have that, uh, that advantage as time goes on, which means more training of our ghrelin. All right, another way that we can satisfy ghrelin is to fill it up at the beginning of our eating window with healthy foods. And this is basically, it doesn't really help during the fast, but what it does is during the eating time, you will have this opportunity to fill your stomach up with healthier, nutrient-dense, and fibrous, and uh, more voluminous foods. And so then that will help you not crave all during the eating window. That will help you not eat all during the eating window. When you're trying to implement OMAD-3, snack, entree, dessert, that will help during that. So you compare that, like when I was first fasting, I would always open my window with peanut M&Ms because peanut M&Ms and because I could and because, you know, you can eat anything you want, right? And so I told you before, I joined intermittent, I started intermittent fasting because I wanted to eat anything I wanted. Little did I know how much it would help me eat so much better. So then this is one thing that is super helpful in terms of ghrelin and satisfying your ghrelin at the beginning of your eating window. We need six to seven cups of fibrous vegetables a day for our health to get all of our phytonutrients, our antioxidants, our vitamins, and things like that. But in a weight management, uh, from a weight management standpoint, we are filling that stomach up with voluminous foods, leafy greens, uh, you know, what, what green beans, broccoli, whatever it might be. And so it's signaling ghrelin, even though we didn't have that many calories. That's what's really cool about this. It's, it's signaling ghrelin, whoa, the stomach is getting full already, right? And so, again, it's released from the stomach. So we want, so we're operating within the confines of the gut itself, the actual stomach, not the intestines, but the actual stomach pouch itself. So um, if we start this at or near the beginning of our eating window, this will really help. Now, I warn you, if you're not used to it, I mean, I went somewhere not very long ago, and I felt like I looked like I was pregnant because I'd eaten so much because we were going somewhere to eat, and I didn't, and I wanted to open my window at home with healthier foods before I went to the party or whatever to eat party foods. And so I had eaten my salad and my green beans, those are my main two vegetables that I love so much that are not starchy, and my stomach was just so, <laughs> so I will warn you about that. But what happens when you have this filling up of the stomach is you don't have room for other things. All right. So, um, again, don't overly restrict um, calories. Ghrelin is, is primarily re released from the stomach, but it's also released from uh, 
the brain and I can't remember where else, but other places it's released too. So it, it is a hormone. So it's going to respond. It's going to respond in the stomach to the filling of the stomach, but it's going to respond to other things as well. And sometimes it, the stomach is overridden by the other places too. So that's where some other tricks will come in handy. But um, so when we overly restrict our calories or our volume of food, our ghrelin is never really satisfied. And so we get more hunger pangs more and more and more. And it's also important in the beginning of fasting that you don't restrict too terribly much because uh, like me, I end my fasting window at five or six mo almost all the time. And if I restrict too much in my eating window, come nine or 10, ghrelin is growling at me again. So I want to be sure that I don't restrict so much that I get hungry and I can't fall asleep because of hunger. All right, and um, eat more fiber. Again, I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. Hit exercises also help to manage this. And I've been studying this for so long. I study two to four hours every single day to prepare for my blog and my broadcast. And um, I don't understand how HIT helps you manage ghrelin yet. But I know that all the teachers that I've listened to have talked about it. The only thing that I know about HIT high intensity interval training is that it uses up your um, your uh, glycogen stores uh, fast and uh, glycogen in the muscles that's all released and burned through when you have hit in high intensity interval training so I think that hit more has something to do with the leptin and telling you you know that you're satisfied that your leptin levels are higher and when your leptin levels are higher your ghrelin levels are lower so anyway hit every day for seven minutes all right um chewing gum now this is controversial um because a lot of people say no taste and no um sweeteners even if they are non-caloric and they are um healthy so like a um uh, a stevia sweetened gum something like that. Uh, a lot of research shows that stevia does not spike your insulin. But a lot of people, uh, there are a couple studies that have shown that any sweet taste at all will spike your insulin. And like for me, that's why I can't drink, even though it's not non-caloric, I personally can't drink like uh, stevia sweetened lemonade during my eating window. Other people can without any spike in insulin, without any uh, repercussions they don't feel hungry it doesn't it doesn't cause them to want to eat so the insulin spike has to be very insignificant for them but for me the minute I drink uh, uh, like a Zevia or a, um, a stevia sweetened lemonade I immediately want to eat and so uh, the same thing could be true with gum um, I seldom chew gum when I'm in my fasting window, but on rare occasions when I'm working closely with a student and I can't run back to brush my teeth, I may stick a gum or a Tic Tac uh, in my mouth just out of desperation. There are some mouth drops uh, that you can also use, and they're at my blog, uh, DonnaReach.com, things I like. But research also shows, so see you have this contradicting research all the time, right? Research shows sweet taste. A little bit of an insulin spike. What's that going to do to your fast? You know, it's probably going to come back down in 15 minutes. It's probably not going to be significant, but you have to decide that for yourself. Research also shows that gum chewers um, uh, eat fewer calories than people who don't chew gum. So uh, there are some some uh, healthier sweetened gums out there. You can 
consider that. All right, brush your teeth. We talked about, I talk about this in podcasts as well as in my slideshows. Um, but when I'm teaching at home, I always just run back and brush my teeth all the time when a student's about to get there. And um, I always brush my teeth in the evenings when I'm done eating, like five, six o'clock, brush my teeth, signals my brain that I'm done eating for the day. Um, but research actually has shown that toothbrushing suppresses appetite. So the, the research that I saw on this was like, on one hand, it says it suppresses appetite. Then a little bit later, it talks about how it's a mental thing. It cues your body that you're done eating. Uh, um, and it uh, uh, cues you somehow. I think it's it's the... Um, somehow there's supposed to be some chemicals in it or that are released when you brush your teeth. And I wasn't really clear on that, but I know that you can really, really make associations. So regardless of whether it's really got these chemical compounds that are telling ghrelin that you're not hungry anymore, regardless of whether the research is really true that it suppresses the appetite. The one thing I do know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt is that we can make associations I've talked about the book, um, Atomic Habits, it just came out. I'm going to be teaching from that a lot in this group coming up um, and on my pay, on my YouTube channel. Um, I love, love, love anything that has to do with habit training because I used habits to school my kids for 32 years, and um, now I'm finally able to use them to change my health. Um, but regardless, there is an association. So use that association to your benefit when you're in your uh, fasting window and you you know ghrelin is tough brush your teeth go for a walk association association i brush my teeth i go for a walk i don't eat this is my new 11 o'clock three hours before i'm going to open my eating window this is my new protocol that will really really help um sleep all right um i'm actually doing a fast shot on sleep here probably tomorrow um but uh, I will just talk about it briefly because I always go over on all these broadcasts. Um, sleep deprivation is uh, one of the biggest reasons that we release cortisol so much. And cortisol is our stress hormone. And when cortisol is high, uh, that means that we, we can, it, uh, high cortisol can spike insulin. High cortisol can blunt human growth hormone from being released. And so we don't want to have an excess of cortisol. And speaking of speaking of teaching on it, in my course I have a um, a live Q and A videos in the fourth week of the course. And so three weeks ago, somebody asked me about cortisol and could I teach more on it. I started studying cortisol. I studied cortisol at least one hour every day, usually two, for three weeks, and I still feel like. There's so much to learn that I haven't made that video yet. I, 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 have, I, get this, I get this in my head that I have to know so much. And, oh, and um, so whenever I have any, like, unanswered questions, I freak out a little bit. And cortisol is one of some of those unanswered questions. But this is what I do know about cortisol and sleep, that when we are deprived of sleep, cortisol is released. Sleep is one of the best things that we can do to lower our cortisol across the board. Sleep is one of the best things that we can do to release human growth hormone other than fasting. Sleep is one of the best things that we can do to keep our insulin levels low. 
it, it's just phenomenal. And you know what? Isn't that so cool that something is great as sleep, something is fun and as um, helpful as sleep is um, something that we can do to help ourselves, to help our bodies. I mean, who doesn't love sleep? I love sleep. And so um, less sleep means more hunger. You will be hungrier anytime you stay up late, watching Netflix, reading a novel, um, you know, playing games at night, being on your phone at night. It's just not worth it when something as beautiful and wonderful as sleep has so many positive effects for our weight, our size, our mental abilities, our human growth hormone, our stress levels. It's just not worth it. So get your sleep. Um, there's, there's a lot of research on this uh, about sleep. Um, one that, and the research is pretty conclusive about sleep. That's the thing. I, read, I heard a study this morning about how um, people who sleep six hours or less, uh, it is less than 1% of the people. And the guy said, it's really, if you round to the nearest whole number, it's 0%. So that is, it's under half of 1% of people are not negatively affected by less, by fewer than six hours sleep. So that's just amazing because people love to brag about how they don't need sleep, right? I can make it on five hours. I can make it on four and a half, you know, but you're really not making it. You can't really have no effect on your cognitive ability, your physical ability, your eating, your thinking, your processing, your mood. It's research is actually conclusive about this one thing, and that is that we need sleep. So um, that's just one to two hours less sleep in subjects resulted in a 24 to 30 percent uh, less increase in hunger. I did that wrong on the notes. Let me fix that. One to two hours less sleep, only one to two hours less than others. So I don't know what their baseline was on that, um, but I also know the study was fewer, another study was fewer than seven hours, 26% more hunger. So who wants to just stay up and do something that we think is relaxing us only to have 24 to 30% more hunger the next day. Isn't that phenomenal? All we have to do is sleep. And who doesn't love sleep? I mentioned that already. Okay, so um, there's also been some research, and this is the research on what helps you sleep well food-wise is super inconclusive. So I'm going to tell you some of the things that I've, that I've read and that I've studied, but know that there's nothing conclusive. So you have to do trial and error to see what really works for you. But Carbs closer to bedtime and at the end of the eating window uh, can help you sleep longer and better. This is, this is, some research has shown this, and the reason for that is because you have satisfaction, first of all. So, like, if you close your eating window with a, a dessert, whether it's a healthy, small, unhealthy dessert, whatever it might be, if you close your eating window with that, you have this sense of satisfaction that I got to eat something that I really like today. And so you're not lying there thinking about all the things that you didn't get to eat, like most dieters are. And um, there's also uh, less hunger associated with those end of your eating window carbs. So I think that also has a lot of, to do with when you close your eating window. Because um, having a lot of carbs like half an hour before you go to bed, I think 
from what I've heard, can do the opposite of that. So just having a lot of food right before bed can have the opposite effect. So, you know, I'm not, I don't like to tell people when to have their fasting window because I think that it's really important that people find what works best for them. But I will say that if you can stop eating three to four hours before you go to bed, you'll probably sleep better and your hunger probably will not be released for the first time until you're asleep, you know, that, that ghrelin. And then in the morning, you probably won't release ghrelin again anyway because uh, that's when human growth hormone is released, so uh, between 4 and 6 a.m. So you probably won't be hungry at all in the morning. So carbohydrates at the end, they've, that's been said to help with that. All right, omegas taken at bedtime. So whether you take fish oil capsules or like I take a plant-based omega that's not fishy, um, but I take that at bedtime because those have been known to increase sleep because the fat from them is released slowly and that helps you stay asleep. So another thing is waking up in the night. So omegas will really help with that. All right, another thing that's super important, I mentioned this about clock hunger. And that is not to go off and on from fasting too much. And, you know, I ta- I've talked about this so many times um, in previous podcasts and video broadcasts and also in uh, slideshows. And that is that we have no reason to go off and on with intermittent fasting. Um, I personally can't imagine a time and, you know, I don't like for people to say never, say never. And I think, you know, blanket statements are really dangerous. But just looking at my life right now and knowing the benefits of even a 12 to 16 hour fast on longevity, on cognition, on Alzheimer's, on Parkinson's, on disease prevention, on anti-aging, I just can't imagine that I will ever, ever want to eat, want to fast fewer than 12 to 16 hours. You know, I don't know, I'm not a senior citizen yet, how that will come into play with that, but I know what the research is, is clear about with uh, having no food and the autophagy and all of that that's happening. So I say all that to say that we don't need to go off and on, right? We do not need to go off and on. Alter your eating windows, but do not go off and on. Alter your fasting windows, but do not go off and on. So I mentioned I'm going to Disney World. I'm going to be on 16-8. I'm going to be on two meals a day at that time. And um, we're going to be walking six to 10 miles every day. So that will help as well. Um, because, you know, any cardio, even if it's low intensity, is going to um, help uh, blunt a little bit of that sugar effect and a little bit of those carbs since since I'll be eating regular foods at that time. At home, you know, we just have a lot of more control over what we eat. And also, you eat party foods when you're in parties, right? So that's a little bit different. But when we go off and on too much, or when we consistently like make a lot of changes, like, well, I'm not fasting this weekend because of this, this, and this. What we're doing is we are setting ourselves up for that clock hunger. So our bodies, if, we, if we're off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and, and we, are, we, do, we fast like 12 hours or 10 hours, and we eat you know, from 8 in the morning until 8 at night or 10 at night, well, then when we go back on to our fasting, and this is why sometimes people have so much trouble with fasting on Mondays, because they got too loosey-goosey on the weekends. And that ghrelin is being released because of clock hunger. That you have told your body, I'm eating more now. I'm eating more frequently. I'm eating more food. I mean, you know. And so uh, it's really important not to go off and on very much. And just to instead 
change your eating window. And I teach about that in the course as well as at the blog, how you can change your eating window based on an upcoming event. And so you can still have 16 hours of fasting, 18 hours of fasting. Um, you'll just alter your eating window um, rather than going off and on. All right. And uh, then mineral imbalance and electrolyte imbalance. This comes across as looking like hunger. So I have a couple of things to tell you about this. Um, first of all, I mentioned that I drink mineral water because of my working out. And I didn't drink mineral water or use pink Himalayan salt um, until I started working out. And I wish I'd used them from the beginning. And so I teach this all the time now because I really think it's super helpful to get through the um, early days of fasting with these. So I pour my mineral water, as I mentioned, in here with my eyes and I go work out. The problem is that electrolyte imbalance and uh, mineral imbalance takes place a lot on keto diets as well as on intermittent fasting. Of course, if you've heard me talk before, you know that I teach that um, uh, one way to get into ketosis is through intermittent fasting. Another way is through the keto diet. Another way is through ketosis and exercise-induced ketosis. So when we are in ketosis or we are in uh, fat burning, we don't have... Um, the our insulin uh, is low and hot insulin holds on to water and when we are in ketosis our insulin is low and also when we're fasting our insulin is low and so we are releasing water and so we release water and all that time we release water we release water and then we end up with a mineral imbalance or an electrolyte imbalance and it can seem like hunger, especially in the early days. And I was surprised when I started doing HIT and started doing strength training, how I felt like I was starting to fast all over again. I mean, I had a full month of a lot of hunger, dizziness, uh, fatigue, and nausea. And I was like, wow, this feels like I like when I first started fasting all over again. And it was because I was getting that exercise-induced ketosis going on. And my insulin was being lowered fast. My glucose was being uh, used up fast. My gl glycogen stores in my muscles, they were being released quickly. And so because of that, I was imbalanced with my minerals, electrolytes, and so forth. So... I recommend even just with fasting, not even if you're, I don't recommend that you start HIT and strength training immediately when you start fasting anyway, but even if you're not trying to, uh, even if you're not trying to work out a lot, I recommend that you implement these protocols. So this is what I do. I drink my mineral water. I mentioned I drink um, at least 40 ounces of mineral water and then I switch over to regular water and in my bottle. And you, if you drink this during the fast, um, and you and you and you replace your minerals during the fast, it can have a profound effect on that pseudo hunger, that that part that's not really hunger but feels like it. As a matter of fact, this is pink Himalayan salt here. I put this under my just in my jaw or under my tongue, a few crystals of this, and my hunger can go away immediately with this. So that's just really, really cool. This is just a little packet. I keep it in my purse, and I also keep it in my Y bag, my gym bag, um, little packets of this. And then this is, you know, for home. And I just open it and put a few granules on there. So pink Himalayan salt and mineral water and then magnesium and potassium. I used to take my magnesium later in the day, and then I started taking it 
with the, with all of this first thing in the morning and it just huge difference in my electrolyte balancing and my my dizziness went away my nausea it was just amazing and actually just even now even if i don't have a workout day if i'm getting hungry i'll just take some salt pink himalayan salt my hunger will go away really fast not exactly sure what that that's that it's it's really working on your your balancing of your electrolytes but those feelings i shouldn't say my hunger those feelings will go away immediately all right, so I'm going to uh, do a little bit more uh, on the foods that have an effect on satiety, hunger, and cravings. And then next week, I will uh, do a lot more on cravings and satiety and eating windows and uh, things like that. So uh, there are three main foods uh, that have an effect or three main macronutrients. Fiber is like a fourth macronutrient. It's a type of carb, but it's not doesn't act the same way as regular carbs. So in that way, I guess you could say we have four macronutrients, but protein, fats, carbs. And I taught about this in uh, the episode about carb cycling and the episodes about calorie cycling. I believe they are like 26, 27, 28, somewhere in there. Um, and I also have some fast shots about that. So uh, there are three main things that you can do to help with hunger, um, during the fast that you want to that you can do during your eating window that will have an effect on your hunger later so uh, these are really good to know because as I mentioned before in the beginning of your fast you fill up with those fibrous vegetables in the, I mean the beginning of your eating window and then you have a lot better control during your eating window so these are kind of some of those same ideas uh, but start protein fat and fiber so the first one is protein and protein is considered uh, the most satiating nutrient. Sometimes people say fat is the most satiating nutrient. Sometimes people say protein is, but they're for different reasons. So protein is a satiating nutrient, uh, macronutrient, because it makes you feel more full. Um, it doesn't have the effect of fiber filling up your stomach, right? Like you might just have like a little three ounce piece of meat or something. Um, but it has a satiating effect because of its uh, thermogenic effect. So um, protein, the thermogenic effect that I explained when I talked about total daily energy expenditure, okay, you have how your resting uh, metabolism, so that's what it just takes to, to live and sleep, lay there and do nothing. Okay, then you have your um, thermogenic effect, which is like... Uh, what it takes your body to burn certain calories. And then you have your um, total daily energy expenditure, which which also considers your exercise and movement and things like that. So you put all that together. So um, with protein, uh, with carbs, you might use up 5%, 4%. It's, it's not real clear, but you might use up 3 to 5% of those carbohydrate calories just burning them just metabolizing them. But protein, and this is where it's like super, super all over the board, um, you can use up to 13, 15 to 30% of those um, calories of protein just simply burning it up. So that they say that protein has a 15 to 30% thermogenic effect. And so that's why they say it's so satiating because your body is working so hard to burn it off. And so it is, it's, 
like you know people say you can you can eat as much celery as you want because it takes more to burn it than it does to eat it or it takes more to eat it than it than it causes you in calories that's kind of the idea with protein 15 to 30 percent thermogenic effect so of what it takes so because of that it's considered very satiating and really really great for the metabolism however people have to be careful about the amount of protein they eat um, most nutritionists recommend 0.8 grams per pound of body weight so that means you know that if you weigh 150 pounds you might eat um, 100 grams or 120 I don't want to do the math right now but but you might you know you'll eat like 100 grams of protein for example and so with that you can eat too much protein if you you know there used to be you know, the high protein diet now it's high fat is all the rage but it used to be high protein and people were eating too much protein and then they got like uh, problems with their kidneys and things like that so um, if you have any kidney problems don't eat too much protein for sure um, I personally um, can't I don't really have kidney problems per se but I definitely do have um, I definitely feel it if I eat too much protein so it's it's satiating so it's going to help you it's going to help you with your metabolism protein is just going to be good for you in the amount that you need all right then the next one is fat and the reason for fat being such a good um, satiating macronutrient is because it first of all it doesn't cause an insulin spike so which is kind of the basis for all low fat I mean low carb diets is eat fat you won't spike your insulin your insulin will stay low you're going to ketosis and then you'll be a fat burner of course we are becoming fat burners by not eating right and that's how we keep our insulin low but some people couple low fat diets or and or um, uh, um, keto diets with intermittent fasting and then they're keeping their insulin low all the time uh, and then there's always the, the controversies about that, about the other nutrients that they're missing because of limiting, having such limited food choices. And, of course, not eating fruits and vegetables, very not very many vegetables. Um, true keto people can hardly even eat onions and tomatoes So um, because you only can have 5% carbs. So at any rate, uh, fats do keep your sugar cravings and your insulin at bay. So it's going to be very satiating in that regard. And your insulin is going to be low. It's not going to spike insulin. And that's why uh, some of the studies say, well, you can have cream in your coffee during fasting because it doesn't spike your insulin. And the whole point of fasting is to not spike your insulin. That depends on what your goals are. If your goals are autophagy and um, cellular repair and anti-aging and cognitive function and stuff like that, you probably don't want anything at all. Um, but if your goal is only weight loss, then probably cream in your coffee is not going to affect your weight loss. So that's all controversial too, but at any rate, <laughs> so uh, it'll keep your insulin at bay. Now, we have to be careful with fats because we have been told that, that you know, add healthy fats, add healthy fats. Fats are where, fats don't make you fat, sugar makes you fat. There is a basis of calories that we all need in our bodies. And it doesn't matter if we are eating the healthiest fats in the entire world. If you eat more calories than your body needs, you will gain weight, even if you were eating 95% healthy fats. And that's why you hear, this is what really the same people who say that calories do not matter at all in any way, shape, or form are the same people who say, now when you eat nuts, measure them out use them as condiments 
Crush them on your salads. Don't eat them by the handfuls because you'll eat too many calories. Hmm, that's a mystery to me. Why would somebody say that calories do not matter whatsoever and then tell you to watch out for nuts because you'll eat too many and you'll have too many calories? Okay, somewhere in there, there is a truth that calories do matter. Now, I have a calories in, calories out game in my course where I teach calories as a basis and that every single thing that affects it, you lose weight, you gain weight, you lose weight, you gain weight according to the game. So I would never say that calories in, calories out is the only thing. But at the same time, you start tanking up on healthy fats and you're not a keto person especially and you are eating handfuls of nuts, you are not going to lose weight because you're going to have too many calories during your eating window. So healthy fats, nuts, omega-3 fatty acid, acids like walnuts, salmon, olive oil, avocado oil, other fatty fishes, those are all going to be good for that. All right, and the last and final thing that I'm going to, this is getting so long, the last one I'm going to talk about is fiber. And this is one of the, it's not, like I said, it's not a macronutrient, it kind of falls under carbohydrates, um, but because fiber uh, goes through undigested, which means it doesn't impact your insulin, and um, it doesn't uh, impact your carb load. So that is why you hear of keto people and low-carb people subtracting the fiber from their carbohydrates. Um, so they try to eat more fibrous vegetables so that they can subtract the fiber count from them, and then they'll still you know, stay at 5% carbs for keto or um, like 50 carbs or 60 or 80, whatever. For low-carb people, they subtract the fiber. All right, and that is why, because it goes through undigested. So you can eat fibrous foods and it not have an, an effect on insulin. So we need 30 to 38 grams a day of fiber for men and 25 a day for women between 18 and 50 and 21 if we're over 51. This is in the notes, so you can get the notes there. But um, another general guideline is uh, to um, get... Uh, one, 14 grams for every 1,000 calories. So the bottom line is I just know that I need about 25 grams of fiber and I don't eat enough fiber. Those six cups of fibrous vegetables that I mentioned before, that's going to really, really help. But I don't even know if that would be 25 grams because, you know, when you look at fiber, fibrous foods, you're looking at like two grams of fiber, three grams of fiber, you know, something like that. Uh, and fiber is one reason why the, uh, like vegetarians and things, why they say that fruit, um, you know, some people, the, the keto people say fruit, you can't lose weight eating fruit. And then the um, vegetarian vegan people, vegan, will say that you can lose weight eating fruit because it's got so many phytonutrients, it's got so many antioxidants, and it has fiber. I has I have hesitate to really believe anybody who makes blanket statements, and that's why I don't like to make blanket statements across the board about something. Like saying, for example, a keto person saying you cannot lose weight if you eat apples. I just heard somebody say that this morning on the teaching that I was listening to. I was like, hmm, my husband eats apples almost every day, and he's lost eighty-five pounds in the last ten months, and he only has twenty-five pounds to go. I eat apples almost every day and I lose two pounds every month, sometimes even three. <laughs> all right. And vegan, vegan and vegetarians eat fruit all the time and yet they consistently lose weight. 
So it's because they have fiber in them. And fiber is so good for weight loss. Fiber is going to fill up that stomach. It's going to, uh, just like fat, fat stays in the stomach longer. So it makes you feel satisfied longer. And that's why that whole uh, um, omegas at night before bed, they're going to stay in your stomach, be released slowly. So that's going to help you with hunger all through the night, keep you, keep you asleep. Um, and the same thing is true from with fruit, antioxidants, phytonutrients, the, the fiber in them is subtracted. It, the fiber stays in your stomach longer. Um, moderate consumption of fruit is needed um, for, uh, for diabetics, for sure. But it's not that they can't have any um, in metabolic syndrome, too. Uh, so we can't just, like, tank up on bananas any more than, you know, we can tank up on any one food um, like that, but um, it is great. Fruit is great for replacing um, any kind of fibrous food. It's great for replacing processed foods. So it fills up the stomach, takes a while to leave the stomach, and fibrous foods like veggies, beans, so forth, have a huge effect on appetite. So fibrous foods are going to have a big effect on your appetite. Now, during your eating window, I have, I use fiber during my eating, during my fasting window. So I use it in two ways. You can use it in, in multiple ways. You can get psyllium husk and put that in your, um, in your, in your water or your coffee. And this will help blow up your stomach and ghrelin will be tricked, right? I personally cannot stand the taste of psyllium husk. So I would recommend something more like this. This is just a fiber powder, sugar-free, gluten-free teaspoon of this has four grams of fiber. So it's a good way to get fiber in. I use a Plexa Slim. Um, it has uh, fiber in it um, and it fills up the stomach. Both of these things will last for a long time. The fiber will stay there for a long time. A teaspoon of this has four grams. Um, this, this fills me up forever, just for a super long time. You will actually blunt your appetite almost immediately if you take in some fiber. So you can take some pink Himalayan salt. You can get you a fiber supplement like this. Just drink it in your water, and it will. Uh, there are a few calories in it. So if you are, you know, freaked out about any calories, I'm not freaked out about fiber calories. So this isn't going to bother me because I know that you subtract the fiber, and I, I've been around the block once or twice with keto and low carb, but. This will definitely have an effect. This will uh, blunt your appetite almost immediately because of it filling up your stomach. So there are all kinds of these. You can get them at Walmart. I get this. I got this on Amazon, um, and it doesn't have any taste or anything. So I just shake this into my water, take my pink Himalayan salt. I'm good for another three hours, another four hours, whenever I'm, you know, after I exercise, especially when I, I have to, you, you can really get hungry fast after you exercise because you're going into immediate ketosis in a lot of cases. So I recommend that. Now, I do want to give a warning about that, and that is that you don't, um, that you don't use it for any kind of laxative effect. So, um, if you were if you were prone to that or you you have any inkling that that could be something that you might do, I just really really discourage you from using fiber. Um, we need more fiber if it helps you get your 25 grams a day, and you're also eating healthy foods in your eating window. You're eating a lot of 
green vegetables and a lot of fibrous foods uh, during your eating window. A teaspoon of this for four more uh, grams of fiber to help you get up to your 25 or two teaspoons of this throughout your, your fasting window will be great. And um, you, know, you might want to start out slow if you, if you are prone to loose bowels or whatever. Um, fiber is good for that, but not, not taking it as a laxative taking it instead as a fiber supplement to get the 25 grams of fiber in that we need a day and to help blunt your appetite during the eating window. So that is all for now because um, as far as um, ghrelin is concerned and hunger and appetite, uh, next week I'm going to talk about cravings and appetite and hunger more um, outside of um, outside of ghrelin. So I'm going to be talking about caffeinated drinks and their effect, coffee, tea, caffeinated water. I'm going to be talking about healing your gut. I'm going to be talking about reducing cortisol levels. I'm going to be talking about distracted eating. I have a whole bunch of stuff for uh, episode number 32. So be sure to join me. This is where I'm going to change to our sponsor. So if you want to hear about Plexus's probiotic, oh, I brought the wrong bottle. Oh, well, I'm going to talk about the probiotic. I brought the nerve bottle, which is amazing for something else. But if um, if uh, you uh, want to stay and learn more about probiotics, stay with me for another five minutes. If not, thank you so much for joining me today in episode 31, Controlling Appetite, Hunger, and Cravings, and Controlling Ghrelin. So, hi, everybody who stayed. I'm going to talk to you about Plexus's probiotic today, and it is called ProBio5, and i got to get to my notes on this. Um. As you know, I'm a representative for Plexus, and I it's the basically the sponsor of my program as I build up my blog and build up my course so that eventually uh, they will pay for themselves. Um, but for right now, my Plexus business is also paying for my, my blog business and my intermittent fasting course and so forth as I build up my course and my blog. So um, uh, Inter- Plexus is a plant-based supplement company, all natural. Uh, we have 20 uh, plant-based supplements. So we're not like, we don't have like hundreds of items, hundreds of products, which I really, really, really like because I like simple. I've already done difficult. Remember, I raised seven kids and homeschooled them for 32 years. I've done hard. So I like easier now. And uh, so I like it that there are only 20 products in the Plexus lineup. So if you've ever considered a home business, um, I would love to have you join me and I can help you get started if you want a simple business where it's all online and you don't have to do parties or anything, but that's another topic for another day. So for right now, um, I want to talk to you about Plexus's ProBio 5 and it's actually three products in one, so it's more than just a probiotic. So um, I have links here to our store. I have links in the outline to where you can get a, sup, a sample of either one of our slims, uh, the the uh, one with um, the fiber, and then the other one with the prebiotic. We have two different versions of that. You can get a free sample of that from me at uh, the link that I gave you there, and um, and uh, you I'll send it to you in the mail at no charge. So ProBio Five in general, ProBio Five is a three-in-one product. And I have friends, you know, crunchy friends and so forth, who have actually, uh, they have all three of the products that make up ProBio 5 in their uh, supplement cabinet. So because it is made up of digestive enzymes, probiotics 
and antifungals. So for 25 bucks, unbelievable, for 25 bucks you get all three of those products in one. So digestive enzymes are good for healing the gut and for helping with digestion. And so a lot of people need digestive enzymes um, as if they had leaky if they have leaky gut to help with digestion. Um, then it also has probiotic. This is the good bacteria. Uh, Probio5 has long living strands of uh, probiotics that last until they hit the gut. So this is what sets uh, the probiotic part of Probio5 apart from other probiotics. It does not have to be refrigerated. And a lot of people think that you have to refrigerate um, your probiotic in order to get the live bacteria, but that's not true if it's encapsulated in a certain way. So our ProBio 5, the probiotic in there, living strands that are encapsulated in such a way that they, they are not lost in the bottle and they are not lost in the, uh, the, on the tongue, in the throat, in the saliva, in the digestive uh, system. So they, they do not, um, are not released until they hit the gut. So this is a unique, unique probiotic. Um, and so because of that, you don't have to refrigerate them. You don't have to take so many of them. It's just, they, they are all preserved until they hit the gut. And then the last, the third thing is the antifungals and the antifungals break down the bad bacteria. So that's the third, like three in one product. Our our in, our aspect of Probio Five is that the um, antifungals break down the bad bacteria. So when you take probiotics, you are taking certain strands at certain levels, and a lot of times they'll have like so many CFUs, like you know thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of CFUs, and that is because they are lost in in the bottle and they're lost as they go down the digestive system. But with ProBio5, none of that happens. And then also with a regular probiotic, you do not have the added aspect of an antifungal breaking down the bad. So you are giving yourself good bacteria, but you're not breaking down the bad and then releasing it out. And you really wanna do both. You want to break down the bad and you want to uh, give your body the good. And then once your bad is broken down, hopefully you'll become, uh, you'll have regular bowel movements through intermittent fasting, through magnesium supplementation, through fiber, and you will have, and you'll be releasing all of that that you broke down with the antifungals. All right, the ingredients, and I can't pronounce all of these. I meant to go on and listen to how they're pronounced. I always have to do this when I teach about this. Um, and I'm a the biphonic woman. I teach language arts every day and phonics. Proteasis, um, the chitinase, that is the um, the antifungal, the, the thing that comes in and breaks down that bad bacteria. Serapeptase, um, another popular ingredient. Probiotic blend, like I said, the probiotic blend that um, helps with gut health greatly. This is, we have another probiotic that's for the serotonin levels and for mood, anger, and um, uh mood, anger, and anxiety, but this one is specifically for gut health, vitamin C, vitamin B6. So the benefits, again, break down the bad bacteria, promotes digestive health, provides five strains of probiotic bacteria to help support and maintain the intestinal flora, the digestive enzymes that break down the protein and fibrous foods during digestion, 
helps reduce free radical damage in the body. Um, and uh, I lost my last page. So anyway, <laughs> those are some of the great benefits of ProBio5. Um, if you are looking for a good probiotic um, or you are realizing through intermittent fasting that your gut is really not healthy, uh, you can break down the bad bacteria. You can bring in the good bacteria with ProBio5. So I would love to help you get started on the plant-based practice Plexus products. Um, and I'd love to help you get started on intermittent fasting. So um, let me know how I can help you. Thanks so much for joining me today.